0: Workshop, yeah, on uh, the fourth step, recovery, twelve steps, and um, and I had to do it every Monday night. I did it for nineteen years, pretty much. So that's a lot of Monday nights. Anytime I was in the country, I did this meeting. So I don't know how many, over a thousand, I guess. Yeah, and my batting average was a thousand. Yeah, because I never went, never showed up. You know what I mean? I just sat there, and because. My mind had become identified with something bigger than itself, which was AA in this terminology. It was apt to be open to something happening that it wouldn't have been open to before. So I just sat down and something would always come out. No matter if I was destitute that night or my fairy princess just broke up with me like five minutes before the meeting started or I was sick as a dog. It had nothing to do with any kind of circumstance or condition. It would just be put out there, yes? And then... uh, at, in the beginning, it would end very quickly. Like at sixty-one minutes, the, f- the next the, after the sixty minutes, then I would feel sick again, and I mean, I'd, usually worse actually than when I walked in. But then after a while, it just stretched out, where this basic it was like the the, the presence was the same before the meeting, during the meeting, and after the meeting. Yeah, and it just started stretching, stretching out. So it wasn't an event anymore, nor was it triggered by anything. It was just a possibility that had been entertained. Yeah. The head entertained. The, the, the dilemma is, is all of us have the ability to entertain. We're entertaining quite a lot right now. We're entertaining that we're a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. We're entertaining that we're a body. Yeah. And when the mind... I know I'm not talking about conditioned mind. I'm talking about mind. When the mind... Uh, entertains that it's a a self, yes, a long-lasting, independent, separate entity, that all of its entertaining is now defined by the self, yeah? So it can't entertain being okay right now, it can only entertain, I will be okay later, based on something happening or doing something or someone else doing something for you, yes? Everything, all the solutions immediately become time-based. There's not an immediacy anymore, it has to have something to do with you, to go get something and do something or stop doing something for a result to occur. Yes? That's all out of a system called selfing. Yeah? The solution is timeless. It doesn't take any time for this to come to pass because it never came and it never passes. Yeah? It's always available at all times with no requirement necessary to meet it, none whatsoever. Yeah? It's just the ability to entertain it. So what we did is instead of trying to entertain it as a self, because that will define what you're entertaining. So let's say you entertain the idea of awakeness or enlightenment. Yeah? Immediately the self is taking this to be a subject. Yes. So then enlightenment becomes an object to you as a subject. That's not what enlightenment is. Yeah. Or awakeness is a thing that you're going to get and is going to bring you an advantage. That's not what it is. What we're attempting to contact is no-thingness. Yeah? It's not a conception. We don't want a conception of enlightenment. Because if it's a conception of enlightenment, it's going to be the idea of enlightenment from selfing. Yes? And that ain't enlightening at all. It's bonding. I just talked to someone today on the phone. They were totally fine about three years ago, and then they heard... a a teaching about enlightenment, and they've just been driven crazy ever since because it's it became the golden carrot. <laughs> yeah, and uh, see, <laughs> let's say your are head, has a, like a noble spiritual bent. Yes, yourself. So, if that's the case, let's say there's meditation. There's something called meditation that you are going to do. Yeah. Now, if you have a noble idea about spirituality, then meditation will probably mean a lot more to you than, let's say, washing the dishes. So you will immediately want to speed through washing the dishes to get to the seat to meditate. Thinking that when you meditate, there's something available that isn't available when you're washing dishes. Yeah? That's causing it to be specifically available based on you or what you do. Is the conceptualization of nothingness. Nothingness is always available at all times, with no requirement necessary. You cannot achieve it. You cannot plug yourself into it, because it's prior to any unplugging or plugging. It's always so. Yeah. It's in a way a weird example of it would be in a, in physicality. Yes. We go over this a lot, but I bet you you didn't go into a cafe today anywhere and heard people complaining about the effects of gravity on them. Did you? Did you get the, was there like, you know, like in the paper they have a pollen count, you know, or the air quality of gravity, very heavy today. Don't, don't stand under any big heavy branches. They may lay on you or whatever. Yeah, no, but in fact, it's affecting us as a physicality all day. Yeah? Because it's affecting us all day, it's not noticed. Yeah? So no thing isn't noticed by a thing. Yeah? It's not noticed by a thing. When, when a thing entertains no thing, it makes it a something. It conceptualizes it. It, it, it gives it an idea. It makes it, okay, this is, it's like a breakfast cereal box. It has no cereal in it. It's just got the box. So it says, I have Wheaties. But there's no nutrition from that, having Wheaties. There's no Wheaties in the box. It's just a box, yes? That's what a concept is like. You have a concept of spirituality. It's like an empty box. There's nothing in it. All you do is you have to pour more concepts into it. And so now you're getting used to be feeding on concepts, and the mind is in a total total denial of its dissatisfaction. It can't admit that it's not working the way it's figuring things out, because it wants to be right. But you're empty. You're dissatisfied. There's an irritable restlessness and discontent. And because you're not feeling, it just means your mind's pretty good at denying it. Yeah. So this is like, okay, I don't want to entertain peace. I want to entertain what I'm not. Yeah. Just entertain that I may not be a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. When I entertain that, and it comes to pass that that's true, yes, that's entertaining peace. Because peace is the absence of someone having peace. Because if there's a someone who has peace, there'll be a someone who can lose peace. And that's not peace. Peace would be like an acquired object, and there'd be a lot of mental worry about it. When am I going to fuck it up? What am I gonna not do? What produced this? I mean I've gotta meditate every day now. If I miss a meditation I gotta rush home and make it up. Hopefully I can do it at lunchtime because I don't want my day to go totally down the tubes. So alright, rush home. Alright, I did my meditation. Who's playing God now? Yeah? Who plays God with God? Your head. Yeah? And if you know if you know the book of recovery. The how and why of the whole program, which is a pretty comprehensive statement about any program, right? The how and why of it. The how and why of it is to quit playing God. It doesn't work. So it's important to me to recognize what is playing God and what it looks like, the playing God. Yeah. Now it's obvious that in, when you wake up in the morning, sometimes your head tells you how the day is going to be, doesn't it? It's just, fuck it, it's going to be the same old, same old. I would say that's a form of playing God, yeah? Because if you've ever been in a day, it's funny how the card, you know, the cards are dealt by two different uh, dealers, yeah? The mind wants to prophesize that it's going to be a sucky day before it even receives the first card, yeah? But life only gives you the 8 a.m. Clock card at 8 a.m. You do not get to see the 4 p.m. card at 8 a.m. The head just wants to totally bypass that I don't know and it wants to know by pontificating it's going to suck based on what? That it sucked in the past. Yes? So most of us are living in interpretation that just comes from a realm, a mental realm called the past, which tattoos every moment. And so instead of... Being in the state of I don't know, which causes you to find out, which is like being alive, yes? That's <laughs> yes, what being alive is, is to find out you know, which is means the whole day's been neutered. Yeah? You don't find out because you already know. And the only evidence you want us to find out about is what supports you knowing. Yeah? So it's all an interpretation. And then there's an ache or a lack of feeling alive. And, of course, the mind gives us a solution to that. Let's say if you're in recovery, let's say Monday you go to work and uh, at 9 o'clock at night, and you've been there for eight hours, right? Now you're home at night. The nine, at 9 o'clock at night, the mind breaks the news to you, you had a bad day. Yeah. Now, you were in the day the whole time, supposedly. Wouldn't you recognize it was bad when, while it was batting? Why is it that you're on a huge time delay, then the mind breaks it to you, I had a really fucking bad day today. Oh, Then you call up other people to get support on this story. Yeah, did you you see me? Was I having a bad day? Yes, Paul, you were looking like you were having a bad day. I knew it! (laughs) I knew I was having a bad day. So then the next day you go in and the same interpretation occurs. Now you're starting to feel like the boss is going to fire you. So now you're looking at the boss very suspiciously and every move he makes you take it to see how it pertains to you. Yes, And then you see the other people talking near the water thing, and they know they're talking about me. They're conspiring with the boss to fire my ass. I know it. So now you're resenting everyone in the room. This is just Tuesday afternoon. By Wednesday, you say, I'm going to show them you don't go to work. Yes? By Thursday, he does fire you because you didn't go to work. Thursday night, you go to the bar, and you just you hit a point, which is an incredible point, which is fuck it. Yeah? As soon as the mind brings you to that point of fuck it, and you comply with that, it offers you a solution, doesn't it? Let's get fucking loaded. Let, let's go out with my best friend's girlfriend. Let's, uh, I don't know, let's get subscribed to that porno theater or whatever. Yes? Always like that. So the mind produces false evidence that sooner or later, if there's no immunity to it, will appear real. Yeah? Now, for, for false evidence to appear real, it has to have a you to appear real too. Because it's not real. Yes? So because this is a subjective experience, your subjectiveness will make something appear to be true or false. That's why it says in the book, in the beginning, one of the forwards, it says, we are a hundred men and women who have recovered from a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. Seemingly means it it appears to be true or false to you. Yeah? So your role in the disease is huge because it will be a hopeless state of mind and body. And if it's a hopeless state of mind and body, that's like almost a permanent fucking. So you're just going to keep getting loaded no matter fucking what because you don't see it ever going to get better, yes? But it's a seemingly hopeless state of mind and body. If you can let go of the seemingly, it now becomes... It's not a hopeless state of mind and body, and it actually never has been. It's always had a solution available to it. There is a solution, yes? Yes? But it's how you view it. You have a huge role here. You and I give everything all the meaning it has. When you're looking at something, you're giving, when some lady's looking at me right now, she's giving me a meaning based on her situation, and everyone else is giving me a meaning based on what am I? Am I a solid, real, inherent meaning? No. I'm whatever I appear to be to you. And the vice versa, you to me. Yes? So the subjectiveness, the subjectiveness, that's why it doesn't do us justice. If you go home and write down all the terrible things that happened to you based on alcoholism, yeah, you won't do it justice because the real juice of it was the subjectivity in it. It was subjective. It was a subjective hell. You can't, I can't total up all my car accidents and all my arrests and get a, a, a real concise idea. So that's what the effects of alcoholism was you can have a perfect life and be in hell outside. It doesn't, the circumstances and situations are not mirrored by the mind. The mind gives those the meaning that they have. So I've seen people in hell that you wouldn't, never in a million years if you looked at them would you think they were in hell. But they were in a living hell. Yes? In their minds. Exquisite exquisite suffering. False evidence constantly appearing real. Producing that atmosphere of fear. Yes? And it's all triggered because you and I, fear is a valid emotion. It's a valid emotion. If you've had a a lucky life here, maybe you've only felt it eight times when you were really scared shitless, like someone was after you or something like that, yeah? And either you took flight or you fought. But what happens now, that potential is in this form, yeah? There is a strain of fear and anxiety because this needs things, yeah? I need a lot of things. I don't know if the next breath of air is going to come in. I need food, I need clothing, I need shelter as this, yes? And so there's a built-in fear that that may not possibly happen. I may not get the food and clothing and shelter, yeah? But what most people are calling fear is mental anxiety. Their minds are preoccupied with what's not happening, yes? And the mind using this as a fixation, as a fixed object it puts you somewhere else at some other time. It will think about you somewhere else than now, and at some other time than now. And in that thinking about you somewhere else, let's say, next week at your job, some other time next week, by thinking about that, it produces an anxiety. Because let's say you believe you're going to be destitute next week. Yeah. If you have no immunity to the head, You're not gonna respond to this. You're not gonna be able to chill out. Because where you are is there in your head. And there is nasty. And it's not gonna, the nastiness isn't gonna be left there. It's transported back here. And it's demonstrating right now in the body. The effects don't demonstrate there. The effects demonstrate here. So you'll be shut down here. With no reason whatsoever. But you're not responding to here. You're reacting to there. Yes? The mind has to have you as a body so it can fixate around it. Yes? You can't think of yourself as a spirit. And you definitely can't place spirit somewhere else at some other time. Can you? But a body you can. So that gives the, the mind, in selfing, the possibility to flex its muscles Because it thinks a whole lot about you somewhere else at some other time. And it's doing it always now. (laughs) So here we are now, but for all intents and purposes, we're there and then. Yes? How are you going to receive love if you can't respond to the only place it's going to be offered, which is now? How are you going to sense a spiritual condition or live as a spiritual condition if you're not where the only spiritual condition is, which is now? How are you going to have a sense of a higher power? You're not going to have a higher power in the future in the past. Nothing goes with you there. No higher power goes with you in your future worries. No fucking way. And it doesn't go into your past. It's only a present verb, the higher power. So there is, a, uh, let's say, a re- one requirement. You've got to sort of be in the vicinity of now. <laughs> to have that sense of presence. Because it defines the word. It's present. The mind's occupation is not present. Its occupation is to think about the past and the future. Yes? If you look at your thought system, what does it value? Does it value now? Or does it value time? And how, what's the highest form your thought system can picture you as? A body. Doesn't it? It pictures you as a body. When it thinks about you, what is it thinking about you as? A body, yes? That's the limitation of the system. It cannot think outside the box. You're never going to think yourself into a spiritual condition. It's, <laughs> it's like crazy. It says, all right, our daily reprieve from alcoholism is contingent on the <coughs> of about spiritual conditions. Can you imagine if you realized you are a spiritual condition? To me, that's the highest form of maintaining a spiritual condition, is living as one. (laughs) If you're identified as a self, yes, as a long-lasting independent separate entity, represented by a body, every time this system of selfing thinks about spirituality, it thinks about spirituality as a body. So it's sort of like trying to graft oil onto water, yes? The body is not going to become spiritual, no matter how many practices you do. It can't transform into spirit, because it's taken itself to be a solid object, yes? It's a thing. A thing isn't going to transmute into a no-thing. The whole point is, maybe you're not a thing. Maybe you're not. If you're not a thing, if you're not that, that's the spiritual condition. So this spiritual condition, or let's say the presence of the higher power, if you want to call it, or just the presence, is really based on your absence as a long-lasting, independent, separate entity. When you entertain, I'm not this, then that's that. There's nothing more to do, because this is the only thing that does anything. Yeah? Even spirituality is cast as a journey, isn't it? What takes a journey? Space, spirit, or a body? When we use the concept of a journey to describe a spiritual life, what journeys? Does spirit journey? Does no thing journey? Where are its footprints? There's no trail for no thing. It's, it's trying to once again conceptually put spirituality into the context of a body. Yeah. I've been on this journey for years. I've hit the the deep chasms of depression, and I've been on the highest mountains of illumination. What what could do that? What could travel to a chasm, and what could, could, could travel to the top of a mountain? Spirit or a body? No, a body. The mind is presenting you as a body and projecting a body on a spiritual journey. That's how it fails immediately. The spiritual journey doesn't take one step. There's no turning this way or that because it's all everywhere. Yeah? But I can't see it. That's why the seeing has been co-opted by the selfing. The selfing is a verb, yeah? A mental process. I like to call it selfing. That selfing has an implied sense and that is that there's a noun Yes? So when the mind is selfing, 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 here's the verb, selfing, and then there's a feeling that it's you. Yes? Selfing. Or you getting driven crazy by selfing. Yes? There's a feeling that there's a noun that the verb of selfing is happening to. That noun is a verb. That's selfing. The feeling that something is driving you crazy, that you is the product of all selfing. All the other stuff is just accessory. Yeah? Those things are just catalysts for the selfing to keep triggering, 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 triggering. So there's a verb, but let's say someone calls me up. Man, selfing's been driving me crazy. That's the selfing. A you that's been driven crazy by it. Yes? Of course, if you believe you're being driven crazy by something, you'll want to stop that. Yes? So selfing geometrically progresses. Once it's being done to, then it's going to do itself out of it. And then boom, 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 boom. That's the story of selfing. If you're not that, nothing is happening to you. Your relationship to what is or isn't happening will be totally different. And I'm using language as a you, but there is no you. And there is no relationship in a sense. But there will be a different stance, yes? Once the claiming is seen to be the form of selfing, because here, let's say you're conscious, yes? You're seeing right now, Yeah. You're hearing something, this voice. You may not want to, but you are. Yeah. You're feeling something It's a little hot in the room. You're smelling, hopefully not me, smelling something. And uh, whatever. There's these five senses, yes? And then the mind is a sixth sense. It sees thoughts like a eye uh, sees a bird, yes? The mind is a sense. In Buddhism, the mind is taken as the sixth sense. Yeah? So here are these senses. What's occurring? There's contact, yes? Conscious contact there's some form of consciousness here or awareness that allows us to have contact with things yeah by hearing seeing feeling tasting touching them and then massaging that activity by thinking about it yeah yes yeah yeah so all right so let's say here this world that we're in there was only one sense one one sense which is feeling Only one sense. The only way we would be in conscious contact here, because the consciousness is in place, no matter if there's twenty senses or one sense. What's in contact is consciousness, yeah, or awareness. So here I am. So here's in this world. There's only feeling, yeah, only feeling. And in and there's a scripture in this world. Of course, it's in Braille, right? So because you can't read it. So in the scripture, it describes, or indicates, or tries to. Point to the feeling of freedom as if uh, a feeling of tons of rose petals. Yeah, the, fee- the softness of a rose petal signifies the beauty of release. Let's say or freedom. Yes. And so okay, so you get one of these books and you're reading it, and you, and now you have a concept because you haven't felt the rose petals yet. Yeah, you have a concept of what it means to you. But every time you felt anything in this life for quite a long time there's been a coarse glove on your hand. So everything you touch is being interpreted through the glove. No matter what it is. It doesn't matter how few things you touch or how many things you touch. What's touching it is a glove. So everything, all the conscious contact is being interpreted through the glove, yes? And the glove is coarse. So now, let's say you journey and you get to the heaven where there's a thousand rose bushes and you entered the the gateless gate, and now you're walking through the roses, and this is the moment of life. You're going to finally feel the softness. Yes? And so every time you touch a rose petal, you're touching it with this coarse glove. So what happens? Does the softness translate, or does it get interpreted by the glove? Yeah? gets interpreted by the glove, you don't have the translation of the softness. It's not occurring. It's not a convincing. It's not an unspoken yes. It becomes a belief, let's say, maybe. So you believe in the rosebush. You believe how soft the petals are, but you haven't had the sense of it. There hasn't been a translation of it, yes? It's always been translated through the glove. This is what it's like for me, in my experience, the selfing, thing, Yes? The selfing is not a glove, it's an activity that's glove-like, yes? It's not a noun like a glove, but it's the activity that's glove-like, and while it's going on, and there's a belief that it's about you, or you're the thinker of it, which is both aspects of self, yes? I'm thinking this, or it's about me. In that place, that movement, it's like a helicopter, you ever see those things when the, when the uh, blades are moving so fast it looks like a solid thing, yeah? that's what selfing like, it produces like an optical illusion in your mind that this is me, <laughs> so here you go, so the, the, the glove is constantly being woven with the narration, with everything put into language and concepts, yes, with the idea of how we know things here. All of that, all the preconditions of the system called self-centeredness, which defines our experience, defines us, defines you, defines this place, that is the interwoving of the glove, yeah? I'm just saying it may not be a real glove, yeah? If you can see, while the selfing is selfing, that there is no self, there is no noun, it's just a verb, then there's a freedom, not in time, though it may translate here in time, but there's like an aha or an unspoken yes. The mind comes out of this like mental yogic posture of selfing and opens up to the to the possibility. Yeah. And as soon as you see what's driving you crazy is not you, yes, you can entertain being free of it. That's the big dilemma in Alcoholics Anonymous where most of us are still in the activity of being identified as self. So we're entertaining relief from something that we're identified as. You cannot possibly get radical relief if you're identified. The best you can do is get therapy and hopefully you get socialized enough that maybe you'll have a month-long relationship or not flip out at the next picnic or something. (laughs) The, The success level will be very, very meager because you can entertain that I'm not that, which totally stops you from entertaining you can be free of it. You have to start at I may not be that. As soon as that starts ringing true, the next thing that occurs is I can be free of it, like radically free. Like it says in the book, you know, you'll cease fighting everyone and anything. The problem will not exist for you. It will happen with no thought or effort on your part. You'll be placed in a position of neutrality. You'll be reborn. That's a radical shift and I'm not getting arrested anymore. I mean, that's a consequential solution, but I mean, the other one is not a consequential solution. It's like a quantum leap into an incredibly clear state. For the problem not to exist for you, and for that to become lasting, it can't exist as you. If it exists as you, it will keep recurring that it exists for you. It will. Because you're giving it everything the meaning it has. And you've called it you. When I entertain this... And I went back to the program, the book, because I was doing these workshops, and it's centered on how it works every Monday night. And the, the word, the, all the words, and I had read them for nine years, you know. They all rang totally differently. I saw self as a foreign installment. And then when I read this part of the book, which was, oh, just blows my mind, even to this day, right before the inventory process, it says self... Being convinced that self, yeah? being convinced means to believe with certainty. Yeah? Being convinced that self manifested in various ways, which is its activity, that's the self thing. Yeah? And the real bottom line of all that manifestation is to produce the sense of being the one that's happening to self. Yeah? So self, being convinced that self manifested in various ways is what has defeated us. So Bill W. separates the two. And if we ask everyone in this room what self defeated them? We all have the same answer. It would be my self. Yeah? If I asked you, you'd say myself. It be myself, 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 myself. And maybe for a, six months in a bad relationship, it would be herself. you know. But usually, it would still revert back to myself. Yeah. The my is the act of being identified. You see in the word? See, we do this all the time. Put a word money up here. Put sex up here. Put uh, relationships up here. Everyone would give them a certain meaning, yeah? When you saw money and sex and relationship, there would be a reaction. Your mind would give it meaning, yes? If you didn't have money based on maybe an inherent fear you have or maybe the situation you're in right now. Because some people have tons of money and they're st- still super afraid of not having enough and losing it. So it's, it never gets quenched by having it because the belief's there. All right, so now, weigh it. Money, sex, relationship. Yeah, I can handle that right now. Now add one word to it, my, my money. How many novels have you written about that? <laughs> yes? How many stories, my relationships, Made a little mini-series out of them. Yes? <laughs> and sex, forget about it. of <laughs> the, the, the my is the act of being identified. So thoughts. How are thoughts held in your head? Your thoughts, right? Don't you believe you're the thinker of them? Isn't it? And yet, me and you can't even take a shit when we want to. We can't. We can't even take a shit when we want to. If it was up to us to digest our food, we'd be dead. I'd have a burrito from a week ago still stuck in there. It'd be like a long queue to get to. I gotta go home. I gotta digest tonight. I haven't been doing it. I'm not up. I'm not keeping up with my digestion. Yeah, but. Yeah, all these activities are totally involuntary. One of the subtlest ones, which is thinking, we take the it. It's mind-boggling. Freaking mind-boggling. Something so subtle as that, you're saying I'm the one who does it. <laughs> and yet you can't stop it. <laughs> you can't it's like herding cats, you know what I mean? You can't make it good, you can't make them positive. You can do all the affirmations you ever wanted to do and you're still having those crazy thoughts, you know, because they're not yours and you're not doing it. Yes? That's the freedom from them. When you realize something isn't yours, you know what that you represents? The you represents all the accumulation of all the conditioning, all the old ideas, and all the beliefs that comprise a sense of being a you, Yes? And anything in your life that is in relationship to you as mine, this downloads tons of meaning into that. So let's say it's money, and if you have a belief you're never going to have enough, it does not matter how much money you have. That fear is going to be downloaded, or that anxiety, into the money idea. Sex, unlovable, fuck it. You'll fuck up every relationship. You won't, but the fact is, you'll never want to recognize love in your life because it would blow your whole story. That you're unlovable, yes. It's not the thought that drives us crazy; it's the mind, You see, how could you? If you came to my house tonight and shared your thoughts, I'd have—I'd be like Solomon to your thoughts. I'd say, "Be very wise, yes. You should. It's not a good idea. You should go help someone and talk to your sponsor." But I may be having the same thing going on, same thoughts, and it's like a brilliant new plan. I'm catching, <laughs> yes? Why is that? Why is it that I have immunity? the thoughts that are appearing there but I have no immunity to the thoughts that seem to be appearing here because these are held as my thoughts I'm holding those thoughts as yours Yeah. so for me what I found out what's binding me to the idea of being a self is my interest and attention what causes my interest and attention to be about self is it's, I call it me I am incredibly concerned about me Whatever that me is. So can you imagine if you saw that I'm not this me, and maybe you entertain, you know, all you gotta do is entertain I'm not that me. Well there's another quote unquote me, let's call it let's call it spirit or non-thing. Then your interest and attention starts resting there. Yeah? Interest and attention resting on self is called obsession with self. Interest and attention resting on attention is called abidance in truth. It's the same energy, same freaking energy. Check it out. Interest and attention enslaves the self, right? Right. Manifests as obsession with self. Same interest and attention, resting in attention or awareness is what you call as abidance in truth. One produces an incredible sense of peace. The other one produces an incredible agitation. It's the same, same here. Everyone in this room has tons of faith. Tons of faith. yeah. Most of us have faith in a system that's unreliable, called self-centeredness. Yeah. We're believing all the thoughts and not even believing the thoughts. We believe we're the thinker of them or they're about us. That's the real believing in the thoughts. Not the particular thought. I don't believe in those thoughts. But you believe that you're the thinker and they're about you. That's the, that's the bondage, yes? Right there. Right there. So you have total faith in something that's unreliable. That's why your life is demonstrating the effects of that. When you rely on something that's reliable, your life will start demonstrating the effects of that. That's why a total down-and-out junkie can become an uh, upstanding citizen in the world. Though I don't hold that as a goal myself, but you know what I mean, as an example. What was he? Was he a total down-and-out junkie? And now he's an upstanding citizen? He's neither. He's just a potential yeah? whatever the mind is relying on will demonstrate that potential either one way or the other. Yes, either traveling heavy or traveling light here. It's where the faith is. So a lot of people have total faith in an unreliable system. That's why they live in huge amounts of anxiety about what's not happening. And how are you going to deal with an anxiety that's made out of what's not happening? You can't go there. Yeah, you can't go to the source of the problem. It's, no, it's nowhere, and it's not happening. It's an incredible way to disguise the activity of selfing. You're concerned about something that's not happening. How, what solution would work? The only solution to me was to recognize it's not happening. That's the only solution. If, you know, if, if let's say I'm worrying about next week, well, let's see, well, next week's not happening. So now the worrying is just dangling. What does it do? It looks for another object to worry about, doesn't it? And if you say, that's not happening, and then like, it's like a live wire. It's just trying to find a connection. It's throw off some sparks, yeah? To create a, like an emotional or mental state. But if you keep taking the object away from it, it can't trigger anything. So if it's like, oh, well, that's not happening. But there is something happening three weeks from now. No, that's not happening either. Yeah. So if I was like a therapist... Well, first of all, I'd be out of business because the first minute you came in and wanted me to therapize about what's not happening in your life, I would say, it's not happening. The rest of the 59 nine minutes of the session, you can do whatever you want. You're free. What? It's not happening. If there's a recognition it's not happening, what kind of, how can those effects seem to be real to you? They have to be taken to be happening for them to appear real to you. If they're not, if the false evidence is that they are not happening, if that's recognized, there's your solution. The solution is it's an imaginary problem. If it's a problem that's imaginary and you keep applying solutions, that's a bigger problem. Yeah? Because...